Welcome to How to Be a Human Being in the World, the podcast that showcases the strength, resilience, and humanity in all of us and provides a space where you can embrace the messy parts of life, we've all got them, and unapologetically be more of who you really are. I'm your host, Dr. Kathleen Young. I'm a psychiatrist, certified life coach, and I'm also a human, just like you. Pull up a seat as we bear witness to the healing, connection, and inspiration that comes from the stories of our lives. Welcome back to How to Be a Human Being in the World. As part of this relationship series, yeah, I'm still doing a relationship series, although it seems like every episode is about relationships. So I'm not sure where I'm going with that, but let's call it a series for now. I want to spend a few episodes talking with you about vulnerability. Now, some of you may have just sighed and rolled your eyes thinking, here we go. I guess I'm projecting because I probably would have been doing that. <laughs> but here we go. There's that word vulnerability again, the one everyone seems to be talking about in recent years. We kind of know what it means. You know, you may know what it means to be vulnerable, but what does it actually mean for your life? And it took me a while to develop a true understanding of what vulnerability means in my life, what it looks like, how it shows up how it impacts my relationships, including the relationship I have with myself. I would have never really thought about being vulnerable with myself, and we'll probably do an episode on that, but also the importance of vulnerability. Now, I've heard Brene Brown, who I really love. I love listening to her, but I've heard her talk a lot about vulnerability and what she says makes sense, so I know it's important, but I always wondered how is it important for me? So this is a pretty big topic. I've decided to cover it in a few episodes, but I wanted to kick it off with a real life example of something happening to me right now. And this morning it occurred to me like, this is vulnerability. So I was invited to a 50th birthday party this weekend, a friend of mine. And that seems to be the trend right now because of the age I'm at or I am. I have three 50th birthday parties to attend this month in this month of June. It's crazy. And I've had my usual drama. I have, always have drama about going to parties, but I've had my usual drama about all of them. You know, whether it's I don't want to travel because one of them's out of town. I don't know what to wear. I'm too tired to stay out late. Like in the last month or so. I've been so tired in the evenings and then I wake up at like 5 a.m. So this idea that I'm going to be really tired at night, all of these reasons that my brain provides for avoiding things that require planning and effort. If you didn't know that, that's what that is. <laughs> your brain's going to, when something requires a lot of planning and effort, your brain is automatically going to throw up a whole bunch of reasons why you shouldn't do it. But the party this weekend is a little bit different than the other two in the sense that, well, not in the sense that, it's a little bit different. So the person throwing the party is someone I went to college with. And we were friendly in college. And even after college, I've seen him around in New York City a bunch, or at least I did years ago. And I, I would say we're friends, but we're not close friends. We have socialized together. We know each other. We're friendly you know, we're more than acquaintances, but we're not like close friends. And he is a really, the birthday boy or guy is a really social person. So he has tons of friends and has invited like several hundred people to this party. And it's at a club in New York. Hundreds of people are invited. And I think essentially he invited all of his friends on Facebook. So, so I was invited to this party, but not exactly like personally invited because everybody was invited through Facebook. And I just want you to notice, I want you to see what my brain just did there. It's already starting to build a case for why I shouldn't go or why I'm not actually wanted there or how I might be rejected. You know, I was just invited because he invited everyone, not because he wants me there. So just notice what my brain did there because 
this is how you can become more aware of when your brain starts to do the same thing. And it makes sense that my brain did that. Our brains are designed to protect us. They're designed to conserve energy and to protect us. So when I said before, you know, my brain offers me these reasons not to do something when I need to do something that's going to require more effort and planning. So that's because it wants to conserve energy and it wants to protect me. So it's going to tell me all the reasons why I shouldn't go that have to do with me not feeling some rejection. But I RSVP'd anyway, even though I was having these thoughts, because I really want to go to this party. You know, there's a big part of me that wants to see people who are going to be there that I haven't seen in years, people who are important to me or people I just want to talk to again or catch up with or, you know, people I'm friends on Facebook that maybe I wasn't so close to in college, but I've been following them and their lives. And it'll be really nice to see people in person and to celebrate with them and to be a part of this gathering. And so I have had a lot of thoughts about why I want to go. But along with that comes all the anxiety and the protective thoughts. I'm not a person who has social anxiety per se, but I can get anxious about going to these types of events. And I can be kind of introverted and shy in social situations. I also can be very extroverted and outgoing. But a lot of the times, especially in the last 10 years or so, I tend to want to hang back in these big social gatherings and observe instead of diving in and talking to people. I think I just want to make sure that it's safe, that I feel comfortable, that I feel safe. And so I tend to sort of observe rather than to be the person like initiating conversations, although I'm working on changing that for lots of reasons. But thinking about going to this party has been very activating for me. I mentioned this in a previous episode. I'm moving away from using the word triggering because I think that as a society, we've been overusing that word and it's starting to veer away from what it was intended to mean. And so I'm going to use the word activating here. So thinking about this party has been very activating for me. My brain's, you know, goes crazy about it sometimes. And and I want to be dramatic. I haven't been thinking about it that much, but I have been thinking about it. I've had lots of thoughts about why I shouldn't go. I don't have the right clothes. I need to lose those last five pounds. It's going to be late at night in a club. How will I get home from the city? Should I take an Uber? Should I not? Should I drive? Should I park? What if I see somebody who didn't like me in college and they don't speak to me? Or what if I say hello to them and they don't say hello to me back? Or what if someone is still holding something from 30 years ago against me or they have some thought about me as the person I was in college and I don't sort of see myself in that way? I mean, I was 30 years younger, so I was a little I was a kid. <laughs> so I probably did some things, things in college that I don't feel so great about. We all did. And what if they're still thinking about that or holding that against me? You know, all of the thoughts and they all boil down to the same thing. It's this idea that if the people that I see or meet don't like me or reject me, then I will feel bad. I'll feel shame. It will feel awful. And that's what that is. And I just want to go back to this idea that it's a mixture of thoughts for me because I also have lots of thoughts about why I should go. And right now, the thoughts about why I should go, which are like seeing people I haven't seen in a long time, meeting new people, and the party's going to be fun. You know, I haven't gone out to a club in the city and really partied in a really long time. So it's going to be fun. And so right now, those thoughts are winning out. The thoughts about why I should go are winning out. So I'm going to go to this party. But I really want to say that it's not, I still have the other thoughts and there are these competing thoughts in my head. And that's what's going on in my brain. And even though sometimes saying it out loud, I'm like, whoa, that's really nuts. But I know I'm not alone. Because one of my friends said she was also having some of the same thoughts about going to this party and has been 
procrastinating even RSVPing for the party. She has RSVP'd at this point, but she was kind of putting it off because she didn't want to even think about going for a few reasons. And I have yet another friend who has a long list of reasons why she's not going, even though she is a super social person who knows all the people who are going to be there and she would have an amazing time. She still has all these reasons why she doesn't go. Reasons like, oh, she's not that close to the guy who's throwing the party or that she doesn't have enough time to deal with her hair or buy an outfit, all the usual stuff. So yeah, I'm not alone, which is why I wanted to do this episode. You know, having this mixture of thoughts or having these anxious thoughts where our brain is trying to protect us from harm by telling us all the reasons why something is dangerous and we shouldn't do it, it's very common. Yet it's not something people talk about necessarily. And it's not just about social anxiety alone. I'm not a person who has social anxiety. I can go do stuff. But there is some anxiety to it. So why do we do this? Why does our brain do this? Aside from the fact that our brains are trying to protect us in a very primitive way, you know, I've been alluding to it, but I'll say it directly. There's this mixture of social anxiety, but also fear of vulnerability, which is tied to anxiety. I think there's a fear of being vulnerable, which creates anxiety. And, you know, when I think about this party, it occurred to me, like, I know all these people. It's not like I don't know them and that they don't know me. They know me. I know them. But when I start to think about what they will think about me, when they see me, when they talk to me, the thoughts they will have about me, I get anxious and I start to worry that their thoughts will be negative and that they will ultimately reject me. And in doing so, and probably most importantly, I don't get to see as much of the flip side. I discount the possibility and the likelihood that there'll be at least some people, and maybe even a lot of people, who will be equally as excited and happy to see me and catch up with me as I am to see them. Or the reality that many of the people there are having the same thoughts, the same anxious thoughts, the same fears of vulnerability, and are there in their head thinking the same thing. And that there's also a group of people who were invited who won't go for all of these reasons, who will just stay home, you know, that they don't want to be vulnerable at all, even among people they already know. So they'll just stay home and they'll come up with a lot of reasons why they're just going to stay home. So there's that word again, this vulnerability, you know, this idea. And I didn't say this directly, but this idea that there is the fear of vulnerability that protects us, but it also keeps us from experiencing the positive parts that can come out of these kinds of situations. So, so a lot of you listening to this may be able to relate to this experience that I'm having, but may still be wondering what this has to do with being vulnerable and why you should do it. So let's start by defining vulnerability. What is it? What is vulnerability? I looked it up, I Googled it, and the definition I found was vulnerability is the quality or state of being exposed to the possibility of being attacked or harmed either physically or emotionally. So that makes sense, right? That's exactly what I thought. But I want to take a closer look at that last part, this possibility of being attacked or harmed emotionally. And that's the part that we are always trying to avoid in our relationships. And not everybody's always trying to, but a lot of the time people are trying to avoid that part in their relationships. I just, I recently did like an Instagram story where I asked people, why is it so much easier to sit in resentment and anger with your partner than to just ask for what you want or need from them or let them know what you want? And the people who replied said the same thing because some version of this fear of rejection, your fear of saying, I need this or I want this and being vulnerable 
by saying what you want and need and that your partner won't do it or they'll reject it or they'll think it's, you know, not important to them. And so that's why they would rather just be angry at their partner than to tell them tend to ask for what they need. This idea that if we expose too much, if we let people see how we are really feeling, or if we put ourselves out there, we might get rejected or hurt or disappointed. And we may feel sad, or we may feel ashamed, or we may feel unworthy or discarded or unlovable or inadequate or whatever it is that we might feel. And that is vulnerability. And This is one of, this vulnerability is one of the things that makes it hard to have close relationships with people in our lives. You know, this idea that like we don't want to feel vulnerable. So it's hard to have the close relationships that we want. And I've been focusing a lot on friendships because that's where I'm really interested right now. But it comes up in all relationships, the relationships we have with our partner or our spouse, with our family members, really with everyone in our lives. And it's hard to be vulnerable. And so many of us, myself included, would rather just remain distant from people or angry at them. I spent a lot of time in anger. I'm not there anymore, but I've been there. Or keep someone we care about at arm's length when we could be having much more satisfying and connected relationships with them if we allowed ourselves to be vulnerable. And this is particularly true in midlife. And I think that maybe because I'm in midlife now and it feels different in a way than it did when I was younger, but I really believe that this is something that's particularly true in midlife. So why in midlife? And I put that out there like you might be wondering about it, I figured, because I was wondering about it. Why does it seem so much harder to be vulnerable and to meet people and build close relationships in midlife? And I never had any trouble making friends in my teens or 20s. And I wouldn't say that I'm having trouble now, but it seems like it's much harder to make friends. And some of it is proximity. When you are in in college or graduate school, that's what is usually going on in your late teens and early 20s. You're among a lot of other people your age all the time. So it's easier to meet people and make friends. And you typically have something in common, given that you're in a location, you've come together for a reason. And with that, with the proximity comes intentionality. So It was easier to make plans with people in college because you lived with them and you saw them all the time and you had meals together and you had classes together. But now that we're older and we have busy schedules and busy lives that don't always intersect, it takes much more planning and intention in order to maintain a friendship and to build a close friendship. And so a lot of people avoid. They don't want to put the energy in. They don't want to put the effort in. They're worried it's they don't have enough time. And I see it all the time. I have all these friends. I don't know about you, but I have all these friends who are really social people when they were younger who now never spend time with people other than their kids or spouse or like rarely spend time with friends. It's kind of weird. And I don't think it's because they don't want friends. I'm friends with them. I don't happen to live near them, but I'm friends with them. But I think it's because they don't want to make the time for them or they don't want to put themselves out there or whatever it is. But there's that proximity and intentionality again. But because this is a podcast on vulnerability, I'm going to bring it back to that. (laughs) The other main reason I believe that it's harder in midlife is that a lot of people don't want to be vulnerable and take the risk of rejection that comes with making new friends. So in my case, if I don't go to this party tomorrow night, I don't have to face the possibility of rejection or criticism or feeling bad. But, right, and I can also stay home and and sleep and watch TV and I don't have to put any effort into getting dressed and going into the city and all of that. But 
I also miss out on seeing people and connecting with old friends and making new friends, you know, meeting new people. So there's that part of it. It's both. And being vulnerable in midlife feels harder sometimes because of the belief that there's more at stake. You know, I'm in my late 40s now, so I want people to think I have my shit together and I'm accomplished in a way that was like less important to me 30 years ago. You know, I didn't care as much that they thought I was successful at my career or that I had made good decisions in my life or that, you know, I've checked off all the boxes. But I feel that way much more now. I mean, I was pretty self-conscious in my 20s, don't get me wrong, but it seemed a lot easier to let my hair down or let it all hang out or just do whatever and hang out with friends and be fun. And I think that was because I wasn't someone's mom then or I wasn't someone's doctor or whatever. I was just another college student. So it was easier to just be myself in some ways. And this also may be why it's hard for you to make friends in midlife if it has been hard. You might be more worried about what people will think of you. And we develop a belief, and I say a belief because I don't think it's a fact, but we develop this belief that there's more on the line. There's more at stake. There's a higher risk. And, you know, I don't know if that's even true. I think that's just something we say to protect ourselves and not put ourselves out there. I want to let you in on a little secret. Everyone has these thoughts. Everyone feels this way. And no, not everybody's going to like you. And sometimes you will be rejected and whatever. But you're not alone with these thoughts. And you'd be surprised how much people will connect with you when you let them see your genuine self, when you let them know, maybe I don't have all my shit together, or maybe I've done these things that, you know, I made some bad choices in my life or whatever. And people will connect to you more. So think about it. When you put yourself out there in an authentic way, you open yourself up to the possibility of criticism and rejection and vulnerability, but you also open yourself up to so much more satisfying and connected relationships, and you don't miss out on the opportunities that exist to deepen the friendships and relationships you already have. And that's really where I'm getting at with this story. You know, yes, I'm going to put myself out there and be vulnerable and go to this party and have all the thoughts, but I'm also giving myself the possibility or the opportunity to like reconnect with people, to have fun, to build new friendships with people. So that's all I have for now. I hope this helps you get started thinking about vulnerability and what you want to do with it or how you want to start to connect with people and build closer relationships in your life. Stay tuned for more to come and I will talk to you next time. Are you ready to have the life you actually want instead of the life you think you should want? Or maybe you just want to start having more fun. Either way, I can help. Head on over to my website, www.drkathleenyoungcoaching, that's Kathleen with a K, dot com. Or you can find me on Instagram or Facebook at drkathleenyoung.coaching. You can sign up for a free consultation on my website and we can talk about the life you want to create and see whether group or one-on-one life coaching is right for you. Midlife doesn't have to be a crisis. It's never too late to create the rest of your story. Thanks for listening to this episode and see you next time.